Hi, happy clams. Thank you for joining us. This is Artie's Clam Struck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brandy. I'm Emma. And I'm Mariana. This is your book club with a twist, Y Somos Sus Amigas Durante Una Hora de Felicidad. Yeah. This month, we've been talking about Mexican Gothic by the brilliant Silvia Moreno Garcia. I think the three of us became green fairies last week. Yeah, <laughs> that's safe to say. Though so our admissions of our somewhat disturbing pleasures might say otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Between the three of us, we've come up with so many theories and nuggets, probably more so than how many times oil lamps was mentioned in this book. Hey, I don't now. know about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to stall anymore, okay? Let's get drinking and gabbing about what fucking happens to our protagonist, Noemi. Francis and the other characters we love to hate. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> yes. Let's do it. Today's cocktail was actually created just for us by our magnifique bartender. What? I know. He was very that. inspired. Oh, my gosh. I know. Isn't that great? And inspired by one of the major plot twists at the end of the book, he has named our cocktail today, Burn It Down. Yeah. Love it. She's another super boozy one, so pull up your pants straps and grab your lighters and burn <laughs> it down. <laughs> Here to share the recipe for this smoky drink is our smoking hot bartender, Ricardo. <laughs> Ricardo. Ciao, ladies. Welcome to the bar. Hi. So the cocktail of today it's called Burn It Down. Woo! We're ready. Very appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Very appropriate. It's oh, gonna yeah. it's gonna be spicy, fiery, and Woo. smoky. You're speaking our language. Good. Mm-hmm. So let's go deep down in the recipe. The recipe calls for an ounce and a half of mezcal. I'm using yes. uh, the, the Maguey Vida Mezcal. Uh, <laughs> one ounce of uh, scotch. I'm using Jura 10 years Ooh. scotch. Uh, one ounce of uh, a creme de cocoa uh, liqueur. One, uh, half of an ounce of our friend Kalua. And a quarter of an ounce of lime juice. And a little splash, two dashes of uh, chocolate bitter. Mm. For this cocktail, we're gonna make a little rim on the glass. As usual, you're gonna wet the glass with uh, the lime juice that we're using to actually squeeze the, your, the lime juice. And the, the rim is gonna be dark chocolate. Please find the bitter chocolate that you are uh, able to eat mm. depending on your taste and we're gonna go with something very spicy so with instead of chili powder that is the less spicy option that I give you I'd rather use cayenne there you go Brandy yeah yeah <laughs> we're spicing things up <laughs> so cayenne mixed it. with dark chocolate on the rim of the cocktail all the other ingredients are gonna be in the shaker shake it for at least 15 seconds and strain over ice and enjoy your burn it down. Oh my gosh. Alla salute, ragazzi. So good. Oh my gosh. Thank, Thank you, Ricardo. You. We're so excited Thank for you, this Ricardo. one. Cheers. Cheers. Salute. Salute. Bye. 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 All right, ladies. Salute. Salute. Bottoms up. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh my god. Ooh, she's smoky. She's she is smoky. boozy. Wow, this is delicious. It's really good, right? And I don't even like spice, but the cayenne with the drink is a beautiful pairing. Mm. My mouth is on fire, but I like it. But you love it. I do. It's <laughs> <This is> good. <laughs> I know. And the smokiness from the mezcal. 
I know, I love it. It's and perfect. scotch. Yeah. Should mm-hmm. we tell our listeners that we're recording and drinking this at 12 p.m.? <laughs> 12, 13 to be exact. <laughs> It is the afternoon. It's you know what? Early it's, start. it's officially the afternoon. Hey, so. we're brunching. Instead of happy hour, it's there a brunch you go. Day. Yeah, it just go. happens to be a Thursday. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> All right. Well, I cannot wait any longer. Oh. Holy shit! We did yeah. it. This week, some of our nuggets paid off, mm-hmm. and some sadly drowned, yeah. like a preacher <laughs> getting held underwater by Howard. Oh. That was my nugget. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) Noemi and Francis get married, but the shit hits the fan afterward when she returns to her room to find not her new hubby, Francis, but his rapist of a cousin, Virgil. After (sighs) some crafty stabbiness by Catalina, Noemi, Francis, and Catalina make a run for it and find themselves in the underground family crypt face-to-face with the core of the gloom, the deceased and imprisoned Agnes. All hope seems lost when Virgil makes a reappearance, but in the end, Emma's nugget proves true. What? What? And Noemi burns the high place to the ground. Burn it down. (laughs) Oh, my fucking God, (laughs) y'all. Cheers to that. Mm -hmm. Where do we even begin? Holy shit. Wow. Well, this ending was like. I was going to say, should we begin at the end? I just mean these final chapters were like. It was exactly what I was hoping for. Yes. And like maybe more. It was the perfect payoff to this book. That's the thing. All our answers, I mean, all our questions were answered, which mm-hmm. unfortunately hasn't been the case with our previous book selections. But here, true, we, I think we really found out, not necessarily what we thought, but at least our questions were indeed answered. There was closure. Yeah. She delivered big time on this ending and it was exactly what i wanted in terms of like gore and horror and death (laughs) like everything that i want i felt like i was watching a horror movie like i I felt like i was in the space and i loved that totally yeah i felt like i wanted to take notes throughout but i couldn't i just i I wanted to absorb it and take it all in because i was just like oh my god oh my god what wait Catalina? what yeah, oh who knew that she gosh. would be such a such a heroine? I know. Well, what, someone mentioned last week that she was playing a chess game, and we, you were redeemed, Brandy. She was playing a chess game because she came and did a little bit of yeah, her killing. Yeah, she did pull through. She did I pull said through. that about Catalina? You did. Oh. Yeah, well, you I thought have that to she say... was premeditating like an escape well, route. I found myself, I know last week, Emma, you were like really annoyed with Catalina. I was. And Mariana and I were both like kind of surprised by that. But this week, I actually found myself feeling kind of pissed at her. Because in chapter 23, it's at the beginning of the chapters we read, Noemi says to Catalina, if I'd simply fetched you, despite their protestations, we wouldn't be here. And Catalina says, they wouldn't have let you. Noemi, it's enough that you came. And I was like... What the fuck? Fuck. Clearly, she knew quite a bit about what was going on in this house. And yet she still called for Noemi to come, knowing that the Doyles were never going to allow her to rescue Catalina. And I'm sure she didn't know the Doyles would take quite such a liking to Noemi. But it just seems like a really shitty position to put your cousin in. Like, why not call for the uncle to come get you? Why? I mean, thankfully, Noemi handles the situation like a fucking boss. But like... Well, do you Why think her? do you think though that Catalina wanted to write that letter? Because I had the sense that she was forced to because that's the, that was that's the only way that the do. Doyles were going to get Noemi there. So if they the needed way Virgil Noemi, was forcing Noemi to. Noemi to write a letter to her father stating exactly. that she was going to marry Francis. Yeah, I don't think Catalina wrote that. Oh, you don't think she wrote the letter at no, all? No, no, no. I, I do, but I don't think it was under her her will. But you think they would have let her? Because she puts a lot of other creepy shit in that letter. She writes that he's trying to kill her, that he's trying to poison her. Oh, that's true. Like, there's true. a lot of stuff. But don't you think she, like, up the ante just to, sh- like, maybe demonstrate how crazy or how toxic the environment was? And that's why she put all that additional stuff? Because if I'm- she had to write it anyway, might as well go full force to actually, like, have Noemi come. I'm just saying if they're monitoring what she's writing in this letter to make sure she puts in whatever it is they want her to put in, 
would they have let her true. say there's all this creepy shit happening somebody yeah, can that's get true. me that's true you know that is it just true. struck me as weird and i just thought of you in that moment where i was like oh emily's right there's something fucked up about this catalina person she's just too like blase about everything she just kind of like she just doesn't seem to care about anything except she was really blase until she wasn't <laughs> yeah, until she stabbed the motherfucker in the eye fucking see that. for me that was redemption from her i was like i i've never i don't think i've ever disliked catalina and at that moment because i always saw her as a victim i didn't necessarily see her the way yeah. both of you have seen her so that moment that she had with um who was it with howard where she stabbed him yeah, I, I loved that moment. And I didn't see it coming, which I really liked. Oh, my God. No, that I either. did not see coming what, me whatsoever. Oh. You know, to go way back to the beginning at the first chapter that we read, chapter 22, I did either of you know that this wedding was going to happen? I don't know why that caught me by surprise. Did I, did I completely forget about that from the other chapters that Noemi had to marry Francis? I was like, wait, why... Why do they have to well, be married for it to be Well, it was sort of alluded valid? to, wasn't it? That's what I don't, I don't know if I like glossed over that or if I forgot, but I, I didn't see that coming. I know that I had definitely suspected that because Noemi and Francis were forging this like relationship or this bond, I had, I definitely had a feeling that Howard was going to try to use that to take her. Away, yeah, but huh? you know what? I actually thought that the marriage was going to happen. Like I had mentioned in previous episodes that Noemi would be Alice to mm -hmm. Catalina's Agnes. Mm -hmm. right. That That's she right. was going to have to marry Virgil as opposed to marrying Francis. Right. So that caught me by surprise. I knew that there was going to be some sort of uh, marital bond, but I didn't know that it was right. going to happen with Francis as opposed to Virgil. So that to me was a little bit like, whoa, all right. Yeah, I was but like, it makes sense happening? because they did build that bond. Mm-hmm. Well, the next, uh, speaking of our, our baby Francis, <laughs> after being <laughs> forced to marry Noemi, which I guess he didn't really mind, I was so no. sad. His whole description about not being able to leave High Place, I mean, we knew that, but to oh. hear it from his mouth and the description that he went into, and you could really sense that that he he was really bummed about not getting to ever leave yeah and and bummed but also so like like he'd accepted it a long time ago like almost broken about yeah. it you know what i mean mm -hmm. like his he will. knew his doom was the gloom hey <laughs> oh <laughs> oh that's so sad it is but you know what i was actually really excited about this one sorry brandy francis what? was he was genuine. He was her ally. He was her. Jason always lover. tells me I'll come up with little theories like that, even when we're watching TV and stuff. And he'll be like, everything is not house of cards. Like not everybody has to stab everybody in the back. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the one that actually gives Noemi the razor, the razor, the straight right. blazer, razor, the straight blazer, the, the straight, straight blazer. razor blade. <laughs> right. Yeah, which then Catalina goes on and uses it. Right. But I actually yeah. wanted to make a point about, I was going somewhere with Francis not leaving. No, nah, girl, place. we ran away with this. Yeah, sorry. Whatever. Go ahead. Well, go, go. speaking of run thing. away, Francis can't run away. <laughs> right. So, we'll back. so reading about Francis not being able to leave, um, I don't know. I don't know why I started feeling very nostalgic for when I left my hometown because that was like fraught with um, with several emotions. Like I was really excited to leave. But then once I left, I was actually like really sad. Mm. I was really homesick. So I was wondering if I mean, because none of us are from New York. And I think and I always I always think about that, like what that journey is for people, what it's like to come from wherever you're coming to to move anywhere, but especially a city like New York. Yeah. What? So, Brandy, you came from Texas, and Mariana, you came from Miami. Yep. And you both actually came here for college, so you yep. came really yeah. young. Yeah. So I don't know. I. How old were you when you came? Well, I went to school in Philly, school. so I left my hometown at eighteen, but I came to okay. New York at twenty-two. Oh yeah. yeah there, there's a difference between because I, I was came 18. at nineteen, so there's a difference between twenty-two and nineteen. Yeah. Significant difference, yeah. I think. Yeah. For sure. 
So yeah, what like how do how do you two feel about having left your city? But also, I want to know what it's like now when you go back to your hometown. Does it still feel like home for you? Well, I definitely, I, I definitely consider New York my home now because now I've reached the point where I've been here longer than wow. I have been than yeah. I was in Miami because wow. I moved to Miami from Colombia when I was two years old. So oh. not everybody's going to kind of know my age now <laughs> when I was oh, two. So then I moved here when I was nineteen. But now I've been here for many, many years. So this is definitely now my hometown. But when mm. I, f- the thing is, I always wanted to come to New York as a little kid. Yeah, I, the first time I came to New York, I was in middle school and it was with a dance program. And I was just, I became obsessed. Yeah. Like there yeah. was no doubt in my mind that as soon as I graduated high school, I had to audition for all the performing arts universities and get a BFA and, because dance was my goal that I needed to be here in this city. The city was everything for me. But there was a part of me as an only child leaving my parents behind and them thinking that there would be a day that I would come back. That's always been hard to kind of not did they think, think about? you were going to come back once you finished your degree program? Oh, my God. My dad was completely. I mean, he still thinks that now that I'm oh. married and with a puppy. Now that they've got the grand pup. <laughs> um, I mean, they kind of have have learned to just deal with it. But um, it's it's tough. And when I go back home, it's because I grew up here. I feel that once mm-hmm. you pass your adolescent age, once you're you go into your twenties and into your thirties, you you like what we were talking about last week, you evolve as a human being. So I'm a very different person now. So when I go back right. home, it's foreign to me. Yeah. I still have all these beautiful memories and I still relish in the fact that that I grew up in a place which was so vibrant and it was so all inclusive and just very it was amazing, but it, it's not the yeah. same. It's mm-hmm. not the same. Yeah. I go back to see my parents, not necessarily because what Miami is. Right. Right. Yeah. You, I, I interestingly had never been to New York before I moved here. Wow. I, wow. Yeah. I, I knew that I needed to end up in either New York or California. I had never liked California. But hmm. so I, I auditioned for two schools. One was in New York. One was in California. And when I got into NYU, it was just like, well, that's where I'm going to go. Like, I hate California, so <laughs> why would I go there? Right. Um, and it was actually a really tough transition because I'm from a pretty small town in Texas. And I remember getting here and the first, like, day or two was really rough. And then once my family left, I just I just feel like I immediately, like, grew roots here. I I think next year reached the point where I've lived here as long as I lived in Texas. Mm. I'm I'm 17 years right now. Next year I'll be at 18 years. That um, is amazing. I know it. It's when crazy. you that is wild. Today, yeah. oh crazy. today is actually my 11 year anniversary. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that until right now. Hey, oh, I feel like we have to cheers to that. Burn it down <laughs> to eleven <laughs> but years. But don't burn down the city, please. <laughs> oh no, 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 please. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Emma. I just realized this is my NYC anniversary. Oh, oh, that's beautiful. Well, okay, we're so very lucky for... that we're celebrating. We're it with lucky you. to have Aww. you here. Yeah. No, this is the best thing to be doing on it. Yes. Sorry. Okay. So you've been here forever. (laughs) I've been here for a long, not forever, a long time. (laughs) But I really, I feel like I do consider myself a New Yorker. I honestly don't know that I'll ever be able to live happily anywhere but here. And there's definitely a piece of me that takes a lot of pride in being from Texas. I feel like that's a very Texan thing is like we're Texans. Um, and I feel like I do like daydream about going back and like living on some land in the mountains and sitting mm. on my porch and drinking iced tea and all that stuff. Oh. But I don't know that I could ever realistically <laughs> be happy exactly. doing it. It's yeah. just something that's like imprinted on my soul. You know what I mean? But yep. like, I think New York is home yeah. for real. But it's hard not to be torn because I can sense that when yeah. you're saying that, it's like you're torn. There's There's these two different parts of you that just... There is the the idea of it, but not necessarily right. the realization that that would be feel like what this feels like. 
And I think, honestly, I think a lot of actors suffer from that, even just from a career perspective. Like, I think a lot of actors feel like we could have so many different lives. Like, we're all forced to be so multifaceted at so many different things. Even just to survive as an actor, you have to have, like, three different careers sometimes just to support it. Mm. So I do feel a little bit like, yeah, in a different in a different life, like if I had a different life, if I had different goals, like I could totally see myself living on some land in Texas with some animals. That's exactly how I feel, but not in Texas. Yeah. Where? With some ant. <laughs> I mean, anywhere. I I think uh, specifically. Anywhere really, but there. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a little too rural for me. I think I still want to like be in a city vibe or somewhere mm. that's close to a city. Yeah. But I mean, I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, and it's an amazing place to grow up and to mm. live. And it's become so much cooler since I left, actually. I left Richmond and then it blew up. But yeah. it's actually it was voted one of the um, 10 cities to watch in 2020. Whoa. Yeah. It's like it's really cultural now. And thank God we're getting way more liberal and political and like opening our eyes and finally admitting all the shit that went down there. So um, that's pretty necessary, I think, to know that. But when we visited, sorry, when we visited your hometown, I loved it for your your wedding. wedding. Oh, did you? Because I had never been there. Oh, that makes me so happy. I want everyone to go and visit and like see for themselves how great Richmond is. I think it's really underrated. Oh, Um, But I feel the same way that you do in the sense that every time I go home, I actually I feel like I'm home. I Mm -hmm. and part of that is because my parents are still there and I still have really good friends there and I love going back. And a part of me every time is like, oh, yeah, I could do this. Like, it's Mm. just the pace is so much easier. You can drive anywhere in like 15 to 20 minutes. Some of my favorite restaurants are still there. But like you said, career wise, when I think about when I'm strategizing for what I want my long-term career to look like, mm-hmm. I feel like I have to be here or in LA. And that's hard yeah. because I too also, sometimes I, I just want to like go camp in Colorado and like do that yeah. for a year and then like road trip right. and do something that has nothing to do with acting. Um, but yeah, that's like, that's a tricky pull for me now that I'm getting older mm-hmm. and thinking about where I want to be. And or your family or what else there is to life other than our careers. Yeah. Yeah. I just with you saying that I I'm I think a lot about home being where my mom, my dad, Andrew and my puppy are. Aww. So I think I'll leave it <laughs> at that wherever that may lead me. Yeah, wherever past they are. This, this time that we're in. I know. That's a good way that to be think home. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Aww. Well, thanks for indulging me in that. Thanks for asking. Reflection. Thanks for asking. And what for celebrating question. your 11th year here. Yay, yes. Wild. <laughs> well, before that question, you were talking about Francis and Noemi getting married. Right. And I just wanted to mention that I don't know if you guys had this experience, but the moment that Florence is fitting Noemi for that wedding dress that's been like passed down through the Doyle line. Mm-hmm. And Noemi says it reminds her of an abandoned snake skin Mm. it just felt like such finality to me like she's gonna share the same fate as the women in this family who have come before her and it just felt like fattening up a pig for slaughter did you guys i don't i just do you guys do you guys remember in sex in the city when carrie (laughs) is i think she's trying on her wedding dress when she's gonna marry aiden and she gets like a rash or something and Miranda literally has to like tear the wedding dress off oh, of her. She can't yeah. breathe. She has like hives. She starts hyperventilating. Oh yeah. That moment with Carrie like came like just rushing back at me where it's like this claustrophobic feeling of like being in this wedding dress and I just and Noemi has no fucking option. There's no out like as far as she knows in this moment like she is going to end up like all of the other women that she's been hearing about. The wedding ceremony actually reminded me of the Handmaid's Tale like <gasps> um, reproduction ceremony in that same vein in which you're talking about of being like, you have no choice. You have to do this. This is oh, your fate. You mean when they're birthing? Like No, when, you- when, they, when they're having sex, when the handmaid has to have sex oh, with my God. not even essentially be raped by the man right. of the household right. with his wife With there. the wife. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember what they call that, but you know, there's that whole ceremony around it. And that's what I thought of this. It's like she has no choice. She has no choice. It is so sad. Like the more and more we kept hearing about these women, the whole conversation around women in this book, I found really fascinating and never more fascinating than when Noemi asks Francis why, if Howard has been so desperate for a body, why hasn't he transmigrated earlier? And Francis says that neither he or Virgil were really old enough and Florence was still a girl. And even if she'd been older, he would never transmigrate into a woman's body. Mm-hmm. And a part of me thought like, yeah, that's super telling of what a jerk Howard is. Of course he wouldn't because he thinks men are so far above women. But it's also really telling that he can see that to be a woman in this world and especially in his world is really fucking hard. Yeah. And it hurt my soul, not just for all of the women in the book. I mean, even Florence, who clearly has like a really troubled past within this family. I mean, Howard tried to impregnate her with, you know, his child. But it did make me wonder how many men, if asked, would come back. Like even just normal men in our everyday lives. How many men, if asked, would say they would come back as a woman in their next life? Oof. I mean... I don't think I'd want to come back as anything but a woman if I was going to come back. Oh, I agree 100%. I would only come back as a man so I could pee wherever I wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only perk for me. Well, yeah, I don't know. I just, I had, even Florence reading this ending, there were, there were several moments where she's super unfeeling and horrible to Noemi, but like I had so much empathy for her and for all these women who just get the fucking short end of the stick. I mean, I had empathy and also sympathy for her, but there's also this point where this idea and the way that they needed to behave, it was embedded in her that she was even willing Mm -hmm. to give up her child. Like, Mm -hmm. the way that she was able to give up Francis, like, that moment. And when Noemi is like, he is your child, and And you're just ready to let go. Yeah, he's just a body. Mm. To me, that was just like, are you fucking kidding me? But in that moment, she did feel, you know, a little bit how like the servants seem a little bit like zombie like or yeah. like they seem like in that moment, I had a little bit of a feeling of her as like emptied out and hollowed like that or something, almost as if like is Howard controlling what she's saying in that moment or something? Yeah, it just felt like she was vacant and she was it's a body. It was just like, what? Well, there was there's a quote that I wrote down about just bodies in general that Celia goes on to say a body. That's what they all worded them. The bodies of minors in the cemetery, the bodies of women who gave birth to their children and the bodies of the children who were simply the fresh skin of the snake. Oh, and there on the bed lay the body that mattered. The father. Oh. Mm. So as you're saying, I mean, it really is. It's all about Howard. It's all about everything is all about him. And that's it. How did that even come to be? How did he become such the patriarch? He just happened to be the one in that cave. He's so gross. I know. So speaking of someone being so gross, I need to go back and um, talk a little bit about how gross Virgil was. And of course, Virgil falls in his bloodline. I cannot with Virgil. No. And Disgusting. Here's my thing, though. Noemi's feelings for Virgil are dark, but then she yeah. does seem to like lust after him and desire him. Mm. She, uh, Sylvia even goes on to say a ferocious pang of desire and hatred. She disliked him immensely, and yet, as of late, he also awoke a depraved thrill in her. Sylvia goes on to write, Freud talked of death drives, that impulse that makes someone standing at the edge of a cliff suddenly want to jump off it. Mm. Okay, so this literally threw me for a loop. And I started thinking about how someone's influence on you can impact your instincts Mm. and the way you behave. Mm. Yeah. We see Noemi act out or behave in very uncharacteristic ways when she is around Virgil and when he is overpowering her. So my question to both of you, if either of you have ever dealt with a person whose presence was so undeniably powerful, and I'm not talking in a violent way, Mm. and Mm. because of how they made you feel, you were driven 
inspired to do things that were not part of your composition then or now? Oh, that's juicy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a juicy question. Emma, you look like you have something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this feels like a horrible comparison to who I'm going to say and Virgil because... This is a very different type of power and one that's that definitely is not dark or violent. But the first person that came to mind was actually Ricardo. <laughs> Aww. Oh. I know. It's like a weird comparison, right? But when but it's I, interesting. Well, when I first met him, he had and actually he still does have this really strong magnetism about him. He has like this aura that makes you want to be around him and makes you curious mm. about him. He's got this like big voodoo energy. <laughs> <laughs> and he is no. <laughs> what? I was gonna say voodoo doll, then I thought about the voodoo clam and I'm like, wait, no. <laughs> Bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> well <laughs> never mind. But I I thought of him because Ricardo and I met 10 days before I left Italy to go travel with a friend to a few other European cities for a week. So Ricardo and I spent a lot of time together in those 10 days because we knew that there was something special there. But the night before I left for my flight, mind you, this is 10 days after we met. I blurted out that I loved him. Oh, oh my God. And I immediately was like, oh my God, no. Like, why? oh my God. <laughs> but I, he had this like power over me, or le- mm. let's call it like an energy, not a power. Sure. And like it's a magnetism. Like, yeah. And it just vomited out. And, and uh, I think that would have scared any other guy away, considering how fast mm-hmm. I said that, because normally I would never, ever let anyone know that that fast. But then he said it back. So it was okay. Aww. <laughs> is that a, so is that what you're talking about, Mariana? Yeah, totally. Like because he, he allowed your inhibitions to run free and you were yeah. doing things that you never expected would would be you would do. No, right. no never. Yeah. Ten days you in. Acted, you acted outside of your normal character. Yeah. Like what you would normally yeah, do. Impulse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <gasps> Oh, mine is weird. (laughs) Do tell. I actually don't think you guys have heard this story about me. So as I've said on the podcast before, before I started dating my now husband, Jason, I was in a really bad long term relationship with a man. Mm -hmm, He wasn't a bad person. We were just really, really wrong for each other. Yeah. And I had known that for a really long time, but I kept trying to like stubbornly make it work and trying to change myself to make it fit even yeah. though it wasn't going to fit sure but towards the end of our relationship I had really reached my breaking point and I kind of knew that this couldn't go on much longer I just couldn't find the time to end it and uh, this is really shameful but I met someone and I wasn't looking for it it just happened and it was so fucking electric that Hmm. I just couldn't ignore it and so I did something completely out of character I'm usually very measured and you guys know me I think things all the way through and I really consider the consequences and the steps and how I'm going to do it and everything but I just knew I was going to really regret it if I let this person walk out of my life without at least exploring it because our connection was just so like it was just so white hot it was crazy Mm mm-hmm So I broke things off with the long-term relationship. I dove headfirst into this other thing, which is completely unlike me. And of course, like a lot of things that burn white hot, it fizzled out like pretty quickly. And that guy had like a lot of great qualities, but he just also, we just weren't the right fit. But I am so thankful to that guy every single day of my life because I don't know how much longer I would have stayed in that Mm -hmm. terrible relationship. Yeah. And I didn't start dating Jason that long after that ended. So if it hadn't been for this little like jolt of electricity from this person, I might have missed my shot with the person who ended up being my guy. So it's almost like I needed to borrow somebody else's like impulsiveness and free spiritedness Mm. to get myself to where I needed to be. Because if it hadn't been for that, I don't know how much longer I would have stayed, Mm. which is scary. Yeah, but that's really great that he did come into your life. There was a reason yeah. for him to come in. Yeah, and it, to play I that mean, role. 
yeah, that timing is, I don't think that can be accidental. No. I think all of that stuff happens for a reason. Absolutely. Because you're here today because of that. And you're here with Jason because of that. Right. Wow. Ooh. What about you, Mariana? It's funny because with both of you talking about just like (laughs) the relationships, I was like, fuck, now mine is like really going to be really weird. No, give it to us. Fuck relationships. because there, there have been those types of moments, not to that extreme, but there have been those types of moments with um, the the men in my life, but or the previous men in my life before Andrew. But I did have a dance teacher <gasps> when I was really young. <laughs> Gasp! Oh, Brandy, wait, wait she said she was young. We don't know where yeah, this is going. Yeah, he wasn't like a pedophile or anything. <laughs> but right. your face there was fell. <laughs> God. Oh, God. I'm not disappointed that he wasn't I'm going to keep drinking. Of course. Okay. Sorry. Um, Continue. No, but <laughs> it's funny because I, when I was younger, I always looked a lot older uh-huh. than my age at that time. And now it's like I've regressed and now I look much younger than I am. So yeah. it's just, it's funny how things work out. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. So I would always be paired with the older dancers and I would always be doing like the gigs and stuff with them. And he was our coach. There was something like along the lines with Ricardo about his spirit, his energy, his sensuality, the way he was just not. He wouldn't care how people perceived him. And he was all about the emotion and the the physicality and how emotion like just oozed out of him Mm. that it would just make me feel so uninhibited as Mm. a dancer, which transitioned into my own life. During that time, which I think that's how I grew into becoming someone that was okay with, because I've told you guys before about, you know, growing up as a Colombian, growing up as a dancer, having a full body, that he kind of allowed me for all of that to be okay Hmm. and for that to be a part of me. Yeah. So it was like he highlighted things that, yes, they were sensualized, but there were things that were natural. Mm-hmm. So it allowed me to kind of give in to what those feelings were and that accentuated like the way I felt when I was dancing and also when I was just being Mariana. Aww. So it just, he propelled that in me that I don't think he w- I, I would have nice. ever done that on my own if it wasn't for his aura. I mean, it's also such a commentary on like how important teachers are in your life. I feel like we love you, teachers. <laughs> yes, teachers, especially now. <laughs> oh, you man. guys are definitely not getting paid essential. enough. No. Also, back to this Virgil. Let's <laughs> let's get back to something dirty and and wrong. Oh, Fucker. he's so gross. I wanted to know why Noemi didn't kill him when he. I was had that question too. Almost raping her again. Like she could have very easily in that moment. Why did she yeah. let that go? I mean, I think the only way I was able to justify that for myself because I had the same question. And it's funny because I always do it in horror films, too, where I'm like, yeah, fucking right. Why aren't you grabbing the gun? Like, yeah, don't leave the gun there. Now. Or like, yeah, kill him now. Kill him now. But the only thing I can think of is like, it must be so different being in that situation. I don't think Noemi actually kills someone until it's literally a life threatening in this moment. It's them or me situation, mm-hmm. which I think might be a lot more realistic possibly as to like how that would actually go down in real life you know what i mean like yeah i think we all think like oh kill that fucker now he tried to rape you but it probably is a lot more difficult in the actual execution of it yeah you're probably in real life although he is a shitbag i can't even and we're saying he almost rapes her but he already did rape her once in the bathtub right like that was a rape Uh, i mean i don't think there was any there was digital penetration, was, wasn't there? Was there? I thought there was. I, th- I thought there was. He uh, he yeah. definitely yeah. physically assaulted her. Yes. Sexually assaulted her for sure. Yeah. yeah. But I'm wondering because I agree with you, Brandy, with, you know, actually like going in and killing someone, like actually doing the act. It takes a lot out of you to actually get to that place. Right. But because of the way she lusts for him... And a lot of the things that he said to her Mm. that I think kind of rang true. Like, for instance, he said at one point, you dream of me. 
You come looking for me as you dream. Life bores you, Noemi. You like、yeah. a hint of danger, but back home they wrap you in a gauze to keep you from breaking. But you'd like to break, yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah, I liked、you? that. And she agrees with it. She、yeah. liked that. She knows that about herself. So I think that there was a part of her that if she killed him, she might lose what he propelled in her. As weird、so、as that may sound, you think there was a part of her that is genuinely attracted to him? I don't、yeah. know if it's genuine. I think it comes from the gloom. Well, see, yeah, and But, that, I, yeah. Go talk more about that because that was a question I had too, Emma. Like if it's if it's an actual attraction or not. Or whether it's coming from the gloom somehow. I think it comes from the gloom, but I think that it is very exciting for her because、mm. it's something that she's never experienced before. Even、yeah. though we thought originally we thought that she wasn't a virgin, and then we find out that she was. Right. So it just seems like she never really experienced this like undeniable attraction to、mm. someone, which she was like being pulled in and now being like, do I give in? Do I not? But this is like, this is this is this is. Dirty. <laughs> I don't know, for lack of a better word, beyond that's dirty. He's grotesque, disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a really complicated, complex question、hmm. that was sort of. I feel like it was simmering under the surface the whole book. Right. Like what was going on with those two? Yeah. And then in this moment, it kind of really comes to a head because you're right. Like there is something. There is something in him that I do feel like she's drawn to, and I don't—I honestly don't know that it comes from the gloom. I think maybe the gloom woke it up,、hmm. but she yeah, herself seems to recognize、mm-hmm. that he—he he sees it in her, like he recognizes it in her, and she does too. There's something complicated going on in that、yeah. that I haven't quite excavated yet. I don't think if we know by now, we're going to get there. I have a question that I'm going to ask you guys later that may lead to discussion about that. But oh, are you going to leave us blue balls? <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Oh, it's a slow kind of.、Um, it's a slow, slow burn. burn it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't know if either of you picked up on this, but I. One of the things that happens、um, that we didn't talk about that I thought was really cool is when Noemi shoots Howard. It's like she's following in Ruth's footsteps. Did you, did either of you get that sense that she's kind of like living that same path that Ruth did? But we know that this time things. I don't know. We kind of like know deep down that things are going to be okay for her. We hope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I assumed that she was going to get out of the house. I didn't know. Oh, you didn't know? No, I mean based on the cover of the book, the cover has her sitting. You don't see her eyes. It's just the lower half of her face, and she's sitting very complacently in、huh. front of this green wallpaper with these like flowers. And so, a part of me, I think, kept that in my head, and I do think there was a part of me that kept waiting for them to win and for her to just be stuck、huh. now in this. Perpetual cycle that just keeps going and going and going in a circle. Interesting. Yeah, that's. I、cool. definitely thought it was a possibility. I always thought the fire was going to happen. Ah, fuck you both. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to drown my sorrow、oh. with my cocktail. <laughs>、um, <laughs> but I don't. We kind of skipped this when it initially happened at the beginning of the book,、yeah. where. Sylvia mentions that Noemi goes with her brother to a shooting range, and that's、oh. how she learns how to shoot. Because <gasps> I was、right. like,、oh, that's why she puts it in there. Because you would always question, it's like, well, then how does Noemi know how to shoot? Because yeah, she only shot two times, right? And she was able to kind of pretty much nail it.、Oh. She had pretty good aim. So it was. It, I'm like Sylvia. Like every fucking thing every paid、connection. off. Way to remember that detail. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. So, the gold is in the mold. Did the you guys? The gold is in the mold. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys get like there was gold in the mold, right? Did you guys like ever, actual you, real gold? The streaks of gold. How、yeah. we we were like talking about the streaks of like the, like gold, the gold in、dust. their eyes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like the gold dust. 
So I'm wondering if like this gold dust, the gold that's in the mold in their eyes, it was always about the eyes are watching. Like as soon as like the gold showed up, it was like, okay, here is here is when Agnes comes in. Agnes. She, she is kind of the one that's doing everything for Howard in a way. Mm. You think um, she's like a willing participant at this point? She's not a willing participant in this. Well, we okay. don't know at this point. I mean, Agnes. Agnes. Okay. She's not willingly doing this because she can't willingly do this. Do anything. But it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, but what I thought about, desire brings out the gold, this gold dust. Mm. The gold dust that they inhale after the child is born. Because we, we read that before. Yeah. Remember that the, when the, the birth of, not the child, the egg, the, the egg right. thing. Yeah. There was this gold dust that they inhaled that kind of rejuvenated themselves. Right. So for me, it was like lust equals sex equals the cycle. Like, and all of this is because of the gold. Are are you following me here? And he controls everything through Agnes. This is when we go into the crypt and it's Agnes, which I just want to say I was right about the scream, screaming woman being Agnes. Do you remember that? Both right. of you were. Right. She, oh, and when they describe, Noemi describes it as like an open maw of a mouth. I know. That she, oh, this whole description of Agnes just fucking, it really did gut me when I, when I really thought about what this woman went through. I know it's fiction and everything but like what she goes through in this story is horrific Horrific. i wrote down this um this one quote from the book that said about agnes her palms pressing against the lid of the coffin again and again splinters digging into her skin and she screamed tried to push her way out but the coffin did not yield she screamed and screamed but nobody came nobody was supposed to come this was the way it was meant to be and of course we learned that agnes is the woman who gets suffocated in that horrible dream except she's not suffocated she just passes out and then they bury her alive alive in this coffin and now she's the center and the heart of the gloom. Mm-hmm. And she's just covered in mushrooms. And I guess her soul sort of still exists in the house. And she's the yeah. golden, blurry faced woman ghost that Noemi has been encountering. She's definitely dead, though. Right. Well, her body is. But, you know, we talked about this last episode about like. Is she dead or is some form of her consciousness still like a coma patient, we said, is some form of her still aware that she's trapped in this house that she can't ever escape? She can't escape this existence. And at one point, Francis says that the fungus needed a mind. The fungus needed a human mind that could serve as a vessel for memories. Right. So you are not immortal without memories, without a mind. And this is how Howard is able to travel from body to body, but that's how he is immortalized and his Mm -hmm. memories intact. Yep. And I can't believe you were right about him transmigrating into Francis's body. Like you called that the only fucking thing I was right about. (laughs) I'm still, I'm still pissed about this drowning. I'm snapping a lot in this episode because yes, ladies, we're getting it, (laughs) dude. But how hard did you call what comes next? To your point, Emma, about why didn't she stab? Virgil, here is the reason why, ladies. Anytime we're in a horror movie from now fucking on, we've got to remember Virgil showing the fuck up again to screw everything up. She should have killed him. She should have killed him. When, yeah, when she had the chance. But how crazy was it that he then said to Francis that they were going to, he was thinking of using her in a different way because she was an outsider. Do you guys remember this? She's an outsider and he was like, we're going to use her to kill Howard. Oh right, Fran- Virgil had his own little He like, had his plot. own plan. That was an- that was another right. spin to the story. It wasn't exactly what we thought, but Virgil right. knew exactly that's the thing he really saw Noemi. He knew that she had this yeah. spunk and this uh this like inner like the inner life, I guess. Am- I don't know. She was, she's 
quite a lady. I think he saw her as an equal. I think he saw that they were... I don't think Virgil is necessary. I think he's a lot like Howard in that I don't think he thinks too much of women. But I Mm. think in Noemi, he saw somebody who was not only an intellectual equal, but possibly somebody who could best him in some arguments and somebody who it would be a challenge to overpower. And Mm -hmm. he just had to have that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think he was just so hungry to be able to prove his dominance over her. But he was going to use her, use her to kill her, his own dad because he couldn't do it. But to kill his own dad so that he could become the snake. I yeah. think that was Virgil's endgame, to become the new Howard. Though I do have a question for you guys because there was a one point that Sylvia says that Agnes, she was the snake biting its tail. Did you guys read that? Yeah. What did you guys think of that? I just thought of that as just it being cyclical. Like, it's Mm -hmm. never going to end. Like, it's just... And she's the one who makes that possible. Yeah. Yeah. But also that that's the case for her. That for her, it's just a never-ending cycle cycle. that will never... Yeah. Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. That really... Her whole storyline really broke my heart so we basically learned that it's this woman who haunts the house she's the golden woman with a blurred face and we talked a lot about the golden woman and the other supernatural occurrences in the house before we really knew what was going on but i've been dying to ask whether either of you have ever had a real life encounter with a ghost (gasps) or with the supernatural (laughs) casper doesn't fucking (laughs) count Emma, he's so cute. <laughs> he's no. so cute, though. <laughs> he's so cute. <laughs> Tell us a ghost story, you guys. Do you have one? Emma, do you have one? I do, but it's pretty lame. Then you go first. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, the only encounter that I've had with the ghost that I know of, anyway, was in my childhood bedroom when I was young. I actually don't even know how old I was. It could have been anywhere from like 9 to 13 years old. I I don't even know how old I was. Yeah. But I had just gotten into bed for the night, and the room was dark, but there was a lot of warm light flooding into the room somehow. Like it must have been, I don't know, the moonlight or the neighbor's outside light. I don't know. But it wasn't pitch black. (laughs) And... And I saw the ghost of my pop, my granddad, come in oh. through the window of he came in through the window that was right in front of me. And he moved right past me and into my bathroom, which was right next to me. And what was odd to me was that the ghost didn't necessarily have my pop's face. Like it wasn't it wasn't sharp, it wasn't obvious. It was kind of the essence of him. Like I knew that it was him. And I was never really close with him, actually, but I don't know. I just kind of was like, oh, that's that's my pop. <laughs> wow. And, oh, my goodness. And it wasn't scary. And I was super calm. Wow. And I remember like looking back behind me into the bathroom to be like, did I just see that? Like, was that real? And then the moment passed and I went to sleep. Wow. And is there any part of you that thought that it was a dream or do you fully believe that that was No, I was encounter? definitely awake. Yeah. Like so I saw cool. the bubble of the shape like come in through the window and I wow. I felt I saw and like felt it past me and then it just went by wow Whoa. it was it was kind of we- I mean it I didn't even think that it was weird but now that I'm verbalizing it I'm realizing that sounds really weird <laughs> how long had it been since he had passed when you had this experience see I don't even know how old I was when it happened so I couldn't tell you but it was probably within it was probably it was definitely within five years. I know Whoa. that's a big window, but maybe not if you're a ghost, right? <laughs> but I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't know why he was there. He didn't say anything to me. He didn't make me feel any way. He just like came in and then just left. And did he acknowledge you in any way? No, no. Okay, <sighs> weird. I know it's it's bizarre and it sounds like one of those things where it's like am I sure that really happened but like I vividly remember it so I know that I know I'm not just making you know what I mean when that happens you're like surely that didn't happen right my brain made it up but like no it definitely happened wow fascinating that's not lame at all yeah seriously (laughs) 
Whoa. I mean, it's maybe it's because you're not, you weren't scared that you feel like it was lame. Maybe. I don't know. I think a lot of ghosts, I I mean, it depends on the situation, but I think the energy can be pretty calming a lot of times. Yeah. See, for me, like I had mentioned to you guys before, when when we asked in one of the previous episodes whether we believed in ghosts or not and what we felt about them, I am terrified. Terrified. And the reason why I say this, when I was, I was still, it's probably like five or six. My mom was obsessed with Gerardo Rivera. Do you remember yeah. that? <laughs> oh, that yes. daytime show? Yes. So they had an episode that my mom was watching and I kind of was eavesdropping because I don't, I don't think I was allowed to watch a show like that at that point. Yeah, pretty um, racy. There was a spiritual medium on the show. And she oh was God. talking about how ghosts appeared in different movies and TV sets. And in particular, they were talking about Three Men and a Little Baby, which was oh, a weird. movie that I absolutely loved yeah. as a kid. And what they did, she was showing Geraldo. There was a clip where I think it was Tony Danza in that movie. Tony Danza, right? Ted Danson. Uh, yes. He was walking across their beautiful New York apartment and all of a sudden the door creaks open and then there's like this like shadow right behind him. And so I watched that clip and I'm like, oh my God, so ghosts do exist. Like this is a thing. And for about a month and a half, I kid you not, I could not leave my mom's sight. Because everywhere I looked, if there was, if I ever heard a room, a door (gasps) open, I was like, oh my God, there's a ghost behind that door and there's a ghost behind that door. And like, I <laughs> couldn't comprehend what all of that meant. Oh my so God. just seeing one of my favorite movies and then knowing that there was a ghost in that movie and then she's like, <laughs> I ruined Wait, so this is a real clip in the movie. This is a real clip in the movie that then later on they said that that was not a thing. It was actually like a, one of those like um, life-size posters of one of the actors that for some reason the way they did props or whatever someone that was the art designer in the movie misplaced it and when they opened the door uh, it just like showed up a little yeah. bit so it was kind of like Shadow. a fluke oh my yeah. god hilarious but the spiritual medium made it sound like there was a ghost in that film <laughs> that's so funny and for a five, six-year-old, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> and on that movie of all movies, too, it's so I know, funny I know, so random. Like, a ghost lurking on set. Wow. Oh, that's kind of heartbreaking, though, thinking about you not being able to leave your mom's side I was of terrified. that story. Do you not yeah. believe in ghosts, Brandy? No, I absolutely believe in oh, ghosts. Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah. No, my family, my mom could tell you some stories that would like literally raise the hair on the back of your neck. Like my mom's had some crazy encounters with ghosts, but the biggest memory of ghosts that I have from when I was a kid, when I was 15 years old, my great grandma, at this point we had moved away from West Texas Mm. and my dad got the call one night that my great grandma was in really bad shape. And his brother said like you, my dad was raised by his great grandma. So that was like his mom. So he got the call from his brother saying like, she's in really bad shape. You, You need to come. And that's a 12-hour drive from one side of Texas to the other. So my dad takes off. And in the middle of the night, I woke up and I could hear a heart monitor in my room beating. And it wasn't scary. It was but very crisp. I heard it. And then all of a sudden, it just deadlined. And I just kind of like knew like, oh, my grandma's dead. Oh, my God. And the next morning I woke up, she was dead. And later, my dad, my dad narrowly missed getting to say goodbye to his mom. Oh, he was oh still no. on the road. Oh, But he no. did say that at around that same time that I remember hearing the heart monitor, he was driving and in the rearview mirror, he could see elevated. He was like, it could not have been headlights. It was high up. But he could see a bright light following him in the truck. And he said he knew she had passed. He thought. I just lost my mom, and he knew it was her following him. Oh, my God. Oh, I just got chills in my sternum. Yeah, it's it's crazy that we both had a moment with her. Whoa. Whoa. My heart is racing right now, Brandy. That's so wild. And you were 15, so this is a vivid memory. This is not. Yeah, it was. There's no way it, it, like you, Emma, like it, it wasn't scary. And it also, there's just no way it could have been a dream. Like, it was 
I remember it so crisply. I think those stories are so beautiful when someone passes and there's some sign like that that kind of gives it doesn't maybe it may not always give peace to the mm. to the people that are re- remaining but i think oftentimes that's why it's there to say yeah. i'm here mm. and just to say like i'm still with you or you know just to give that more of Sense an of peace, ease yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's those like stories, a goodbye like an i'm okay oof, yeah. like they really shape me those stories yeah Wow. Well, I wanted to ask you guys, we get to the end of the book and the high place has been burned to the ground. Noemi, Catalina and Francis have escaped, it seems like, and they're okay. And it seems like they're going to get to move on and like live the rest of their lives. I know. I was like, this better not be a happy ending. (laughs) Yeah. Were you upset with that, Emma? Well, hold on. Wait, I want to see where Brandy's going with this because... Well, you can you can totally answer. My only question was, do you think it's really over? Did the fire really kill the remaining Doyles and did it really kill the gloom? Or do you think there's a possibility that Noemi, Francis and Catalina are going to wake up someday in their new life, feeling that gloom, pulling them back back. to the house? I had the same question. And so you did. Yes, Mariana, I was pissed at first because I was like, this <laughs> is not going to be a fairy tale ending. I thought Fuck of you too. this. <laughs> but then it occurred to me, Francis does have it in his blood. So even yeah. though he escaped High Place, it right. is still in him. And I did have the same question, like, if that, how long does the gloom linger inside of you? And so while it does seem like it's going to be a sweet, happy ending, and I would like to note that I love the fact that Noemi kissed him, the reverse mm. of so many fairy tale endings. Yeah. Where the, the princess has to be woken up with a prince's kiss. I was yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. right. You kiss him, you wake him up. And then I was like, ooh. Oh, by the way, have we talked about that this is going to be turned into a Hulu series? Oh, I don't think we did we talk about that. about that. Hey, listeners, yeah. if you've made it this far, <laughs> yeah. surprise, this book is being turned into a Hulu series, which I'm so excited. And oh, my God, me too. This ending made me think this could be a really cool way to end yeah. on a cliffhanger to leave like a season two. Yep. And then I want her to write another book and I want to find out what happens to them after all of this. And just to note, Emma, I think it was his on the third kiss that the third kiss meant love. So they were in love because she gave him two kisses before and then then, the third one meant love. So regardless, they still fell in love. And then let's see what happens. So weird. But to your point about her being the one who kisses him, like she's also the hero in the story. She's the one who saves the asses. She's the knight in shining armor. Yeah. And she's also the one who he keeps... He's very quick to say he's tied to the house. His family's tied to the house. He can't leave. And she is the one who keeps on pushing him, saying, like, no, you're coming with us. No, stand up. You're going to make it. No, we're going to carry you. You're coming. And Noemi asked Francis to open his eyes. (gasps) Yep. 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 Which I didn't clock that. Yeah. You're right about that. And. Noemi and Francis are officially married, so she is true. family now. She is family now. Yeah. Well, this is like towards the end of the book. The quote is, the world might indeed be a cursed circle. The snake swallowed its tail and there could be no end. Only an eternal ruination and endless devouring. Uh, yeah, that's why I think that there, this is going to keep going. Yeah. This is not. I mean, there's no way that one of those mushrooms didn't survive. (laughs) You know what I mean? No way. But do you just need one mushroom for everything to be okay? It holds the memories. So who knows? Like if Virgil or Florence or Howard somehow managed to survive, even some piece of them, is all they need one of those mushrooms, which we know can revive people. That's how Howard got saved to begin with, by those mushrooms. So if one mushroom survived and one of those family members was able to get to it, this shit ain't over. All it takes is one mushroom. (laughs) All it takes is one mushroom. (laughs) Well, I guess that brings us to the end of our journey with Mexican Gothic. Oh, my God. 
god, I can't believe it. What a good ride. Yeah. It was a wild ride. Well, I have a final question for you, oh. ragazze. Oh. Yes, players. On this theme of fairy tale endings, mm-hmm. I want to know if either of you could be any character in any fairy tale. Yes, Disney cartoons count. Thank you. Who would it <laughs> you be? You know me well. And why? <laughs> Quickly go. Mariana, you first. La Cenicienta. Oh, who? Cinderella. Cinderella. Oh. <laughs> Wait, but why? <laughs> well, first, because... Quickly, you said quickly. First, because it was my the, the first Disney movie that I saw when I was a little kid, and I Aww. loved it, and I was obsessed with it. Aww. Two, because I feel that there have been things with my family that my mom actually could be the Cenicienta, and I'm like the her, the daughter of the Cenicienta. But Andrew found my glass slipper. I believe that he's the one that found the Mariana that I lost a long time ago. He found the glass zipper and he is my Prince Charming. Oh my God. That's so so sweet. I can't even deal with it. And now I wish I had gone first because (laughs) if I could be any character from one of the Disney classics, because I don't really know fairy tales that aren't Disney classics. Yeah, they fucked them all up. They're the only ones I know, Emma. Okay. No, I'm, no, no, I am. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> when I was a little girl, the only character I wanted to be so badly was Ursula from The Little <gasps> Mermaid. <laughs> you would. You fucking I would. I that. I just loved her. I loved her whole vibe. Oh, she's She wanted to have the whole fabulous. ocean. I was like, yeah, girl, you fucking get that ocean. I was all about it. <laughs> yes. That's a good one. I Snap can see that for you. Well, Mariana, I guess we would be stuck in fate together because I would want to be Gus Gus, Cinderella's little mouse. <laughs> that it. is hilarious. I Gus love Gus is my favorite. He is so happy. He is so positive. He is all about body positivity. <laughs> he is always eating. He is weird as fuck. I love him. I love Gus so Gus. Much. That makes me so delighted. I imagine. Can't. Mariana's like running around in like the ball gown with the slippers and I'm like running behind her with like a block of cheese. (laughs) Well, on that note, thank you all so much for joining us. Big thank you to Jimmy Botanez and Meteorite Productions as well as Text Me Records for our music. We've gotten some fabulous comments from listeners this week, yeah, guys. Yeah. Want to give a big shout out to Adela Antoinette. Thanks, Adela. To, yay. Yeah. Joe Santana woo, and woo. Debbie Clausen for following along and sharing with us how much they've enjoyed Mexican Gothic, our discussions, and what moments have resonated with them. Thank you so much. Yeah, so thank you guys. Those comments and reviews coming in, no matter what you have to say, we want to hear from you. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Well, I hope it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and trick or treat, we have a special, well, trick or treat for you next week, depending on how you look at it. As October has five weeks in the month, we are giving you a special bonus episode. Oh. Next week's episode will be a special one that we previously recorded as a test for our podcast. Yeah. Our discussion is on the short story, Meteorologist Dave Santana. It's in a collection of short stories called Man vs. Nature by Diane Cook. And here's a treat for you. We have our next book pick for the month of November. Our next book is Real Life by Brandon Taylor. Yes, I'm so pumped. Me too. So stay tuned to our Instagram page at Are These Books Drunk to find out the designated chapters and to find out the cocktail pairing so that you can read along and sip along with us. Because it's always always happy hour here. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, ladies. Love you, ladies. Bye, happy clams. Yeah. (laughs) My clam is happy right now.